ladies and gentlemen. Uh, today is Super Bowl Sunday. As you saw by our worship leader, Carly, uh, proudly displaying her Cincinnati Bengals uh, paraphernalia merchandise because she is a fan of the Bengals. And I know that you long-suffering Bengals fans are legitimately happy and just exuberant and excited because your Cincinnati Bengals uh, are in the Super Bowl today. And I, 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 listen, Matt, I love you. I love you. You know I love you, but I think I'm picking the Bengals today. Uh, to win the Super Bowl. I'm sorry. Uh, now, here's the thing. I just said this, right? So, it, it is recorded. Uh, so, it, they, I can't back down now. There's no Facebook status that's going to change this. Uh, oh, boy. All right, well, you know what? You got to have a little boldness. Come on, a little boldness. I'm, I'm picking the Bengals. Anyway, today is Super Bowl Sunday, but guess what tomorrow is? If today is for guys, not saying that, you know, only guys watch football. Not saying that then tomorrow's Valentine's Day. And Valentine's Day isn't just for the ladies, right? It's a day that, you know, we both, men and women, can celebrate uh, our love for, for each other as husbands and wives, or, you know, I know girlfriends and boyfriends, they do that as well. You know, we have a little, nice little Valentine's Day dinner or, or something like that. Um, and so I'm excited about Valentine's Day as well. Yay, Valentine's Day. All right. <laughs> let's do uh, let's do something a little bit uh, unique. Let's do something a little bit different that I probably we don't normally do. When I say God, what comes to mind? Shout it out. Love. Good answer. That's actually. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Okay. What else? Someone else. Savior, Father. Come on, come on. Ooh, look at. Hey, John. Did you read? You read my sermon notes, didn't you? John. John's on the ball this morning, ladies and gentlemen. You just need to sit close to him, and you'll get some of. Some of what the Spirit has just deposited in him already. Uh, you know, at, at Youth on Friday Nights, we've been in a series uh, called Heroes. We love heroes. Well, I love heroes. You, we all know this. And I've been, I've been going through the Old Testament. Uh, we've been looking at people that God, he raised up and, and to, to lead the Israelites. It's actually really quite amazing uh, what happens as you read through the Old Testament. God, he does this amazing thing. He is constantly saving the people of Israel. And he's constantly revealing himself and who he is. He, he reveals who he is as he works through the prophets, as he works through the kings, as he works through people who operate at the direction of God. And the, the thing about that is, is even as we read what God was doing, he's actually revealing himself to us as well. Every time God would, uh, would, he would raise up a, a hero of sorts. And that person does something cool. You see, what they do is they actually point us as we read to God. To who God is and what God is doing. This morning on this Super Bowl Sunday, on this Valentine's Day Eve, I want to preach to you, uh, not for a long time, because I know some of us have Super Bowl preparations to make. Uh, but I want to preach using as a title, very simply, God the Deliverer. One person was excited about that. It's probably John. God the Deliverer. You see, in those Old Testament narratives, as I said, God, he would raise up these heroes. This person who would function as, as the leader who would bring Israel out of harm's way and deliver them 
from their surefire death. You know, when you read through the Old Testament, this isn't even my notes. This is just something that always like bothers me, is the people of Israel. God does amazing things, and yet, for some strange reason, they then would turn and do evil in the eyes of the Lord. And then they would cry out to God, and God would be like, all right, man, I'm going I'm to save you guys one more time. Boom, here's a prophet to help you guys out. And then they would be saved, and they'd be like, oh, God, thank you so much. And then you read that the people of Israel did wickedness in the eyes of the Lord. I just, I, like, I just don't understand. Why, do you, why did they keep getting it wrong? Why did they keep messing up? Uh, but I realized that God was doing something. Read the story of, of Deborah or Gideon. And read how God is at work revealing himself as the deliverer. Read how God does amazing things to save his people. This morning, I want to look at a few stories. Don't worry. I know I said a few, but it won't be long. However, listen, what is time anyway? We're going to have eternity with Jesus, right? So, Only Pastor Jeff laughed at that because as a preacher, he understands. <laughs> Exodus chapter 14, uh, verse 9. This might be a bit of, this is a bit of scripture, but I, I like, uh, I like, I like the Old Testament. I love reading the, the Old Testament. Love the stories, and I love uh, just I love the Old Testament. Anyway, okay. The Egyptians, they chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots, his charioteers and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore of, I'm not even going to try, across from Baal-Zephon. All right. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. Let's stop right there for a second. I've actually never noticed that verse before. The people of Israel were, this is the people of Israel, they're leaving Egypt, getting away from Pharaoh, getting out of slavery. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and, and, and they, they were panicked because they saw the Egyptians, not they didn't see the Egyptians in the distance, not they, they could hear the roar, they saw them with their own eyes. They saw them overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Then the Lord said to Moses, why, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get, to get moving. I find that funny because God's like, uh, you know, if you just keep going, just Carry on, carry on. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all of Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. 
Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and Israelite camps, and as darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before the dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. And when all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, Raise your hand over the sea again, and then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the water rushed back into its place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea, and then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh, of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea. Not a single one survived. But the, Israel, the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. Verse 30. That is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on seashore. Mm. The Egyptians are chasing after the Israelites. They've overtaken them. You can see them. But what does God do in this moment? Does he leave them in a predicament with no way out? No. God does the miraculous. He, he parts the sea. They were walking on dry... I don't even know if... Like, just think about that for a second. To walk on dry ground in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the ocean, only God could do that. God makes a way out of bondage. He delivers them out of the hands of the Egyptians and into freedom. Out of the darkness that was slavery and bondage, and, and he sets them free. He, he delivers his people in a spectacularly tremendous way. This is God the deliverer. He delivered them out of this bondage, out of this, 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 this terrible time. He sets them free. You see, that's what a deliverer does. He, he sets people free from things that hold them back. I don't know if I have to tell you this, but, but God is in the business of deliverance. Literally the best deliverance ministry ever. Here's a cool definition I found uh, for, for the word deliverance. It, deliverance often indicated the power of one entity overcoming the power of another. Our God's power is greater than any other power. Our God can part seas. Our God can move mountains. Our God does things we can't even comprehend. No, like, for a moment, like, if you could, 
just think about how strong God, how much power God has to make dry land appear in the middle of water, a body of water. You can't even comprehend that, really. Because your mind says, okay, I'm going to think about it. And then your mind goes, that's impossible. Oh, but the word impossible doesn't actually exist in God's language. Because God can do the impossible. Oh, I love what God does here. I love how God just steps up, steps in, and gets the people sidestepping through the Red Sea. Okay, we've seen God deliver his people out of a situation, miraculously. We've seen how God, the, the, the Egyptians, they're overtaking the people, and God says, okay, cool, don't worry, don't cry, don't worry about it, I got y'all. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to be there with you. And we see that, that, that God was there in the pillar of fire. God was with his people. God was leading his people. And then he moved to a position where he's protecting his people. He moves from the front to the back to separate the Egyptians and Israelites. Okay, let's move, let's move a little further down the Bible because I've got to keep going here. Uh, Daniel chapter 3. Uh, one of my favorite stories uh, in the Bible, actually these next two stories are part of my favorite, and they sort of mirror each other. So uh, I think we're, we'll be able to grasp this, okay? Okay, here we go. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of, his strongest men of his the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors, they crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not even scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or if you grew up on VeggieTales, Rakshak and Benny. Rakshak and Benny. I love what 
God does here. You see, in Exodus, God prevented the Egyptian army from getting to the people of Israel. God delivered them out of bondage. God delivered them from the hand of the Egyptians. But here, Rakshak and Benny end up in the fire. They end up being dashed into the fiery furnace. Now, I've probably said this before, either on a Sunday morning or Friday night, but, but something should have gone off in Nebuchadnezzar's head when the guards that he had tying up the three boys, three men, died from the heat of the fire, and those three didn't. See, here's the cool thing, is not only did they end up in the fire, they stood up for, for their, their God, they, they trusted God. Not only did they end up in the fire, but they ended up in the fire and another person appears in the fire with them. God didn't take them out of the fire. He didn't make the fire disappear. He didn't turn the fire into frigid Stovall, Ontario. No, they ended up in the fire. But God was with his people. God was with them in the fire. See, sometimes God will deliver us through something. Sometimes we got to go through something to, to get more. Sometimes we got to go through something to really see God's hand at work. God delivered them through this fire. And we see this, this thing sort of similar in, in, uh, later on in Daniel. We'll go Daniel chapter 6. Verse 16, uh, Daniel, he, he is one of the men that has been uh, taken from Egypt or from Israel, taken captive into, uh, into this land, Babylon. Daniel chapter 6, verse 16, it reads like this. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, may your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. And when he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lion's? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. For I've been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him for he had trusted in his God. Daniel, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they find themselves at odds with the systems of the world that, is, that they are in. But they uphold the commands of God. Uh, King Darius here in this, in this passage, he had issued a decree that no one could pray to any other gods but, but Darius. But Daniel's like, I'm not about to do that, fam. You're going to have to move for me with those laws. I don't believe in not praying to my God. I'm praying to Yahweh. And like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel finds himself 
in a den of lions. Well, I mean, he didn't face the roar of flames, but he faced the roar of hungry lions. But like I said before, God is amazing. Because just like Rakshak and Benny in the fire, Daniel is protected. You see, sometimes I wish, okay, I'm going to I'm let you know that I grew up in church. Grew up, like, you know, VeggieTales, Salty the Psalm book. Like, I grew up in church. I am a church kid. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E Bible. It was one of my favorite songs uh, growing up. And so sometimes I wish that I could be on the greatest Bible adventures with Derek, Margot, and Moki. Right? Like, you know, all who enter this door pass through time. Oh, okay, I know, I know Steph is laughing because those are the best VHS tapes. Remember, you guys, parents, you guys don't remember, like, they had those VHS tapes and those three kids, they would go back through the Bible stories and then they would be there in the Bible story. I wanted to be one of those kids because I think that if I were there with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego or with Daniel as they are going through stuff, as they're being forced to do something that they have been commanded not to do, as they're being told, listen, the God you serve doesn't matter. You have to serve and bow down to my image or you have to pray to me. And they are there standing resolved in their faith. I would be like, wow. That is true faith. That is just a determination to trust God. That is a determination to put all of everything, of every ounce of hope they have and every ounce of trust they have in a God that is a deliverer. Because no doubt, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, they grew up probably reading the story of how God parted the Red Sea. The story of how God, he saved the people of Israel. And they probably said the same thing I did. If God can do that for them, he can do it for me. You see, when we find ourselves in a tough situation, we might not like the surroundings, but our faith has to be resolved in the fact that our God is a deliverer. Our God will not leave us. He is there to help us. And sometimes when you're in the fire or in the lion's den, God is with you. Oh, not sometimes, all the time. God is with you. You see, he delivered them through the fire. He delivered Daniel through the lion's den. Psalm 9, verse 9. Uh, this is a, a cool psalm. It tells us this. The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed and a refuge in times of trouble. King Darius couldn't even save Daniel. If you, if you read uh, the Bible, if you read, sorry, if you read Daniel, just a few verses before uh, 16, Darius, he's like, yo, there's nothing I could do. I, I can't save you. I can't save Daniel. Darius, he had a law in place that, that he couldn't even get Daniel out of the lion's den, even if he wanted to. And I think Darius kind of wanted to. But that was okay. Because listen, how many of you know that the plans and the powers of man are nothing into comparison, in comparison to the plans and the power of our almighty God? Because the angel of the Lord is there with Daniel to shut the lion's mouth. And I wonder if Daniel is just, all right, well, I'm going to name you Simba. 
I'm going to name you. You look kind of mean. I'm going to name you Mufasa. Right? Like, I think Daniel probably is like, oh, man, this is really cool. I'm petting a lion. The angel of the Lord is with Daniel to shut the mouths of lions. The Holy Spirit is with us. So that we know that whenever we are in a den of lions, they will not harm us. The deliverer, our God, has a power that no man can supersede. Our deliverer, he cannot be stopped by fire. He cannot be stopped by water. He cannot be stopped by lions. There's no army big enough that can contain the power of our God. Psalm chapter 37, verse 39, 40. It says, did I give you that one? I didn't give you that one? Okay, well, don't worry. Technology is the finest. Oh, I was really going to bring my actual Bible with me. See, technology sometimes fails. Don't worry. I got it, guys. Um, man, I'm really going to have to bring a paper Bible with me. Now I see why Pastor Jeff does that. Psalm 37, uh, verse 39 to 40. Don't worry. I got it. It's better if you guys hear it. All right? Get ready for this. This is an awesome... Ready for this, guys? Psalm 37, verse 39 to 40 says this. Listen carefully. The Lord rescues the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. The Lord helps them, rescuing them from the wicked. And he saves them, and they find shelter in him. God's promises are that when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with us. That means if he is allowing us to go through it, he's going to go through it with us. Even if it isn't the way that we want it to be, even if things don't work out the way we want, even when we make our grand plans and they don't work out, even when, when someone hurts us, even when things come up against us, God is with us and his character is still that of someone who is a deliverer. You see, you might, you might wonder, how can I be so sure? Well, I, I literally just gave you three really cool stories from the Bible of God doing that. You see, sometimes he, he might not deliver us through something. He may not deliver us from something. But we are people of a promise. And he will deliver us out of this world that we live in, though. This fallen world, this dark, dark world. God has promised that we will be delivered from it. John chapter 19, uh, listen, I know we normally read this verse at Easter. However, I feel like this verse is always appropriate. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished, and to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was, was uh, sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and released his spirit. You see, when Jesus was on that cross, when he uttered those words, it is finished, he paid the price of our sin. He paid the price that we should pay for the wrongs that we have done and probably will do. You see, God sent his son Jesus to be the last deliverer in a long line of deliverers. We owed a debt that could not be paid. It will require something greater that we do not have. 
This is why Jesus came. He is the ultimate deliverer. The ultimate deliverance came through Jesus' work on that cross. He has delivered us from having to live in the dark. He has delivered us from having to walk around not in connection with God. He has delivered us. And we are able to walk in a new humanity. We are able to have a picture of what real love looks like. Look no further than our God. That is a picture of what real love looks like. Because whether it's the Israelites, whether it's you or me or hundreds of thousands of millions of Christians around the world, we all sometimes have a tendency to turn away just a tad bit. Sometimes our faith isn't always there and God says, don't worry, I'm still here. And sometimes we go through things. And sometimes we go through tough times and tough situations. And we're crying out and we're, we're going through it. And God is right there with us because God is our deliverer. Every time a voice called out, cried out to God in the Old Testament, he showed up. He would raise up someone. And we are able to cry out to God because he hears us and he delivers us. He sees us and he knows us. Jesus came to lay down his life for others so that we could be reconciled, so we could be brought into right relationship. And ultimately, we will be delivered out of this world into streets of gold, into heaven. Oh, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we will sing and shout the victory, because our God is a deliverer, and he does not lose. Our God is victorious. He is undefeated. Nothing can stop him. Nothing can hold him back. There is no situation that you will or have gone through that is too hard for the Lord. Jesus, he came to save us and deliver us. Wherever you find yourself today, whatever you're going through today, whatever, whatever sickness or bondage, whether physical, mental, or spiritual, God is a deliverer. And he is still in the business of delivering. He is a loving God. That is true love of a God who hears our cries and says, I'm coming to get you. Of a God who loves his creation so much that regardless of what happens, he says, I will still deliver you. And when Jesus rose again, he secured our deliverance forevermore. Oh, when when we are able, one day there will be no more sin, no more death. Oh, there will be no, no man's plans that will hold us back. There will be no fake news. There will be no nothing that will distract us from our God. Oh, we won't worry about a cough. We won't worry about a knee. We won't worry about a bad back. The only thing we have to do is stand and worship our God forevermore. Because our God is a deliverer. This is who God is. He is a deliverer. He delivers. He hears us. He loves us. Our God, that deliverer, we can put our hope knowing that God does that. God delivers. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of cool because I was reading 
Uh, I was preparing for something else, and I, I ended up reading this quote by Harriet Tubman, uh, who who led uh, slaves out of slavery about 100, 125 years ago in the United States. Harriet Tubman, she said, I said to the Lord, I'm going to hold steady on you, and I know you will see me through. Harriet Tubman was called the Moses of the slave trade. She, she was one of the people who just trusted God and said, God, you've given me this, and I know that you are a deliverer, and you are going to deliver me and my people out of this bondage. So today, this morning, whether you're in this room or watching at home or whether you're watching later on during the week or whether you're watching a couple months from now, you need to know this. Very simple. Our God is a deliverer. Y'all haven't been talking to me that much this morning. Tap your neighbor, if you know them, tap your neighbor and say, listen, my God is a deliverer. Okay, some of you, you're not convincing enough. Come on, you got to say it with a little bit more power. Look at somebody else. You don't even have to tap anybody. Just look at somebody else and say, my God is a deliverer. And that is who our God is. He delivers. If you get one thing from today, it is that my God delivers. And we can walk knowing that my God delivers. You see, the, you, you know the craziest thing about every story that we read? I mean, well, Pharaoh and everybody perished. But everybody around the world at that time knew that the God of Israel did something amazing. Is that when God delivers us, other people take notice. When we go through a situation, when we go through a fire and we come out of it, other people take notice. And there are a lot of people in this world who need to start taking notice of the deliverer that is our God. Oh, you might not understand why you go through things, but when you come out on the other side and someone comes up to you and says, yo, how did you get through that? How did you do that? How, what, what, like, how? That opens the door for us to tell people about who Jesus is. That opens the door for us to say, listen, I really had nothing to do with it. It was all God. And that God is the same God yesterday, same God today, and the same God forevermore. So if we know one thing, our God is a deliverer. If we know one thing, our God is going to see us through. We are never alone. He is always with us. That is who our God is.